Welcome to another edition of From the Preacher Study. My name is Kevin Clark, and I, along with my colleague and friend, Brother Bob Hutto, who is the preacher here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ, have the privilege of studying God's Word with you. We're very thankful for the audience that we have. Thank you for spending time with us. We hope that you have found the podcast to be profitable, and if so, we'd ask that you share the news uh, to others, to your friends, your co-workers, family members. Encourage them to tune in. We, it's not very much time, maybe 15 or 20 minutes, but we think that there's a lot of good that's being done because we're speaking and preaching and teaching from God's Word, and we believe Isaiah 55, it always uh, accomplishes what God intends and never returns to Him void. Uh, we want to thank our two deacons that make this program possible, and that is Jason Reed and Mark Townsend, and really appreciate their work in the Lord and their sacrifices and the lending of their talents, and thank their families as well, because it takes some time uh, to put on this program. And uh, thank, uh, as we said, you for tuning in, and uh, please continue to do so. Bob, you have any introductory remarks? Well, again, we, we really appreciate everybody that watches and uh, listens and tells other people about the, about the podcast. The uh, design of the podcast, at least the length of time that we spend, is really designed uh, for uh, those who might be in the car taking mm -hmm. their children to school mm -hmm. or on the way to work or onto the grocery store or, or while you're working around the house or out in the yard and you have earbuds or something like that in and just uh, give you a, a few minutes during the day uh, where, where we can uh, think about God's Word, mm -hmm. focus our attention, make, make a point or two that might be helpful to us during that day or along the way. And so we, we hope that it's accomplishing that, just a, a little boost, uh, right. you know, just a, a few minutes of spiritual uh, activity and focus, and we're hoping that that'll, that'll build us up. And so, Very much so we've had people to encourage us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, we know people are watching and listening, and their words of encouraging are, are uplifting to us. Amen. And uh, we appreciate that a great deal. So if you enjoy it, uh, tell other people about it. Maybe they'll enjoy it as well. And I'll say this, uh, we've always been impressed, not only that we have a domestic uh, audience, but we know there are people out there who are listening from other countries. And we thank you for taking the time to tune in and thank you for being interested in God's word. And we hope that this has been a light unto you and that you can take this and spread it to those in your community. So thank you for everybody who's participated uh, in this work. We're studying uh, the Beatitudes, as was said earlier or at the last podcast we had. We had been spending a lot of time on pursuing holiness. Uh, we worship and serve a holy God. And he demands that if we do that, that we be a holy people. And we've talked about different aspects of holiness that we can perfect and work on and become better at. Uh, but we've kind of taken a little bit of a pivot. And I say a little bit because there's some aspects of what we're talking about that line up very nicely with the idea of holiness and pursuing that. But we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Um, where we talk about the Beatitudes right now. There's some other aspects we'll get into later. Uh, I think this is very powerful teaching, and one of the points that we made, uh, this is foundational teaching. It gets to who we are as people, how we think about ourselves, how we think about the world, how we think about God. And if we get these fundamental attitudes in place, uh, some people have said these are the attitudes to be, the Beatitudes. If you have these kind of attitudes, uh, you're going to be a much more profitable servant in God's kingdom. Uh, I want to, by point of emphasis, to, to read again uh, all those Beatitudes that we read last time. It bears repeating and remembrance, uh, starting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he, a reference to Jesus, went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so we have a list of attitudes, a list of attributes of those who are going to be citizens of the kingdom of God. And this is a description, and we made this point the last podcast. These are not different groups of people who are going to be aspects uh, of, of the team. We, we don't have uh, quarterbacks and tight ends and running backs. This is all a description of the same group of people that we need to have all aspects of these characteristics in our persona. We need to work on that. Last time we spent some time talking about the first from verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we made the point that God looks for the humble and the contrite heart, the lowly, the one who recognizes his unworthiness in the face of God and his holiness, the fact that we've fallen short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And, and that is a, a kind of attitude that God can take and then make into something. We cannot, or God cannot work with the one who is obstinate, who is proud, who is boastful, who thinks more highly of himself mm -hmm. than he ought to, Romans 12, 3. Uh, we've got to lower ourselves. And it's not some artificial. It's really seeing ourselves, I think you said this last podcast, seeing ourselves as God sees us. Uh, too many times when we want to get self-worth, we kind of look around, we start comparing ourselves to other people, and we see that we're better than one than the other in certain categories. That's not the standard. The standard is God. The standard is God's Son. And when we compare ourselves to Him, then that's rightful thinking because we see how fall how far we fall short of that goal. And so we want to be poor in spirit so God can then exalt us and build us up. Well, that's that's critical. That's, and that's where our relationship with God starts. We, if we're going to have a develop a, a cultivate a good strong relationship with the Lord, we need to recognize who he, he is and recognize who we are. We recognize what He is and what we are. And once we recognize that, that that uh, you know, I have nothing to offer, just like that prodigal mm -hmm, son, I'm mm -hmm. not worthy. Then God can mold us and shape us into what he wants us to be, and we can truly become valuable citizens in the kingdom. Amen. Well, let's look at this uh, class, and then we'll see how far we get. First, verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. And, and I'll say, Brother Bob, I, I don't think what he's talking about, I mean, obviously human beings can mourn for a whole lot of reasons. Right. We can mourn because we lost a loved one. We can mourn because of illness or problems in our own life. I, I don't think this is a generalized mourning about bad things happening in life. Because again, we're talking about citizens of the kingdom of God. I think he's talking about more about mourning over our sinfulness, mourning over our shortcomings. Uh, it's kind of related to the poorness and spirit that we talked about in verse three. And, mm -hmm. and when you get to that point, when you recognize what you have done by violating the law of God, and you feel heartbroken about it, then God says, I can comfort you. Uh, I think about the idea of godly sorrow that's found over in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And remember, Paul had to write some pretty stern things to the church at Corinth in the first letter, first epistle. And uh, he says this, he says, for even if I made you, this is chapter 7, verse 8, for even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. 
Now rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. Now, he's not necessarily talking about the sorrow that, say, those Acts chapter 2 would have felt when they were first confronted with the gospel and obeyed the gospel. These are people who are already Christians. They had been Christians when uh, Paul wrote the first epistle. But it's the same concept of when he pointed out their shortcomings, how did they respond to that? He says, you know what? I really didn't want to make you sorrow, but in some ways I did because I knew if you were sorrow in a godly way, righteous sorrow, then you were going to do what was necessary, which is repent. He says there's two kinds of sorrow. There's worldly sorrow and there's godly sorrow. The worldly sorrow, when I think about that, probably would be akin to what we saw with Judas. You know, when Judas uh, realized he had betrayed the Lord, uh, what did he do? He just went out and killed himself. Well, that, that sorrow, he was sorrowful, but that sorrowful didn't produce any repentance. And you contrast that to Peter, who denied the Lord on three different occasions. He also was sorrowful. It said he went out and wept bitterly. But you know what he did with that sorrow? He repented. He changed. And he became productive in the kingdom. And so here Paul makes the point that, you know, we need to get to a point that sin bothers us. We're sorrowful, but in a godly manner. Because when we have that godly sorrow, it's going to produce the repentance, which is going to put us back in a right relationship with God. So we go back to this idea of mourning. We're mourning over our sin. We're mourning over the wrongs that we've done. Uh, that's a different attitude that we see in the world. The world tends to exalt and flaunt and, and, and laugh at sin. Sin's a funny thing. But when you recognize what sin is, 1 John 3, 4, transgression of God's law, you either did something that God told you not to do or failed to do something that God told you to do. And when you recognize this holy God who's done so many things for us, there ought to be sorrow that you have not lived up to what God intended you to be. We often talk about Romans 3, 23, where it says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So there's a standard that God expects. And when we sin, we have fallen short of that. We've failed. We have not been what God intended for us to be. And that ought to produce in us, once we realize that, this feeling of sorrowfulness, of mourning, of sadness, in a godly way that's going to lead to repentance that God can then use and fashion us into something we ought to be. Well, I thought about the 32nd Psalm. Yes. Uh, Psalm of David. Don't know exactly when this this psalm was written. Could have been written at diff, you know several different points in his life. You think especially about his sin with Bathsheba. But mm -hmm. verse three: When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away, as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, my iniquity I didn't hide. I said I'll confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave me. And mm -hmm. so you can just see how guilt-ridden right, he is. Right. It's almost as if he has that oh no moment. Right, you know, right. it may be that that we've experienced that that kind of thing when we're confronted with our sin. When we realize what we've done is oh no, oh right. no, what have I done? Right. And David must have felt that, and so he's he's moved. He's grieved mm -hmm. by it. Mm -hmm. uh, he's sorrowful over right. it. And you can see that his, his conscience is just weighing on him. He takes that to the Lord. He asks right. the Lord to forgive him, and, and he's comforted by that. Amen. That's Think right. also of Saul of Tarsus. Oh, yes, absolutely. Saul of Tarsus, <laughs> Acts chapter 9. Uh -huh. The Lord confronts him, and uh, uh, he goes on into Damascus. Saul goes on into Damascus. Three days without sight, neither ate or drank. Later on, verse 11, he's praying. Well, what do you think his emotions were like during right. that time? Right. It's got to be. 
oh, oh no. Right. What, what have I been doing? You know, how, how could I make such a mistake? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you're right. I think that's the kind of mourning that the Lord is talking about here. Blessed are those who understand their sin and grieve over it and mourn right. over it. Now, God is going to comfort them. Right. They don't excuse it. That's right. They don't defend themselves. They're not right. defensive about it. They right. don't blame anybody. I, I've sinned. Right. I'm responsible. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Right. Now, God can extend his grace and forgiveness to a person like that. Amen. I want to pick up on what you said about Saul. What a great example of that. And I love the description of Saul's attitude, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. You can see the sorrow that he had based on his former life. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now listen to this description of his former life. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. So you could definitely see the sorrow he has when he looks back at what he was doing. His whole life had been oriented towards stamping out Christianity. In fact, he said, I must do, I thought I must do many things contrary to Jesus Christ. And then to come to the realization that I've been living a lie, I've been practicing a lie, everything that I've been fighting against is the truth, the true Messiah. And he says, you know what? I recognize I'm the chief of all sinners. I feel like of all the people who've sent out there, I'm the worst. But he doesn't stay there because mm-hmm. he says, That's look right. what the grace of God has done with me. And what that is, is it's a pattern to all those who believe on Jesus Christ for eternal life. So in other words, if God can take a man like me doing the things I was doing and make something out of him, God can make something out of all of you. Right. I think that's important to emphasize not only the first part of the beatitude, blessed are those that mourn, right. but also the second part. That's right. They shall be comforted. Sometimes a person becomes so overcome by his sin right. or her sin, and it just controls the rest of their lives. They can right. never come to terms with it and, and, and get over it and move on. Right. And, and we know, you know, human nature being what it is and the memory being what it is will always be moved by the mistakes we've made in the past and be right. sorry about them, right. but accept God's forgiveness as right. well. So I thought about Isaiah 61, a prophecy of Christ. And uh, Christ is coming, verse 2 says, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who Mm -hmm. mourn, very similar to what Mm -hmm. we see in the Beatitudes, Mm -hmm. to grant those who mourn in Zion, uh, giving, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of, of fainting. And so there is that place for joy as right, well. Right. So blessed are those who mourn. They see their sin. They're grieved over it. Mm-hmm. They they appeal to God to forgive. God forgives them. They accept that. And now they're... Now, and now you see the joy that's, right. that's characteristic of disciples of Jesus. Amen. I, I think about the quotation from Jeremiah 31 over in Hebrews where it makes the point that, that God will remember their lawless deeds no more. And so God says, I've forgotten about that. I put that behind you. And so as you say, we acknowledge it. We come to a point where we're brokenhearted over it. But we don't just 
just wallow in it. And we don't just wallow in self-pity and woe is me and I can't do anything about it. I'm awful. No, God has work for us to do. And so you said he comforts us and that comfort gives us the ability to then go out and do the work of the Lord. That's the point. God has things for us to do. We can't just sit there in this and wallow in this all this time. But as you said, we're going to remember it, but we can remember it in a way that empowers us. Just as Paul did. Paul knew what he had done. He acknowledged that. But what he would do is say, look how great a God he is that I worship, that he can take a man like me and turn me into something productive. And so that's that's the thing we want people to say is, yes, we're sinners. We've fallen short of the glory of God. We're deserving a hellfire. But God can comfort us through obedience to the gospel, the blood of Jesus Christ, make us useful citizens. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we're always grateful. We're always right. thankful for what God has done. And that gratitude and thankfulness is yet more motivation for us to be closer and closer to God, be more and more abundant and, and prolific in his kingdom and more and more obedient in his right. service. So Paul uses that as motivation. Yes. He, he uses his past as motivation to work in the kingdom exactly. of the Lord. And yeah. so. I'm so grateful for what the Lord has done for me. Right. I want to do for him. Exactly. And so I want to work exactly. for him just as, as much and as accomplish, accomplish as much as, uh, as I can. And so we understand what a great God we serve. He's compassionate, right. and merciful, and forgiving. And then we take that and we use it to motivate ourselves. Amen. Or to be motivated to... Uh, further the kingdom very much so well, i see we've run out of time and uh we're going at a clip about yeah, one of these it's going to take us a while to get through this Kevin. <laughs> but one, some one good of teaching. us is long-winded i'm <laughs> wonder who it is <laughs> well we really appreciate your time and, and hopefully this has been a profitable study take these things in fact go ahead and start studying uh read the entire sermon if you will it's very powerful and, and yeah. seen in its context is very uh, illuminating, and then we'll go back, and as we say, we're kind of picking it apart. But but I do encourage you to read in advance if you're following with us; it'll do you a lot of good. And and examine yourself. You know, right. uh, look at yourself. Am I poor in spirit? Am I one who has mourn and does mourn when I fall short? Does it bother me? You know, we live in a society where it's become so desensitized to sin. It, it's not a big deal. People don't even use the language anymore. People make fun of it. It is uh, lauded and exalted in movies and television shows. And we've got to resist that temptation and recognize when we fall short, it's a big deal. Uh, Whether we're on the front side of the cross, we haven't obeyed the gospel, it's a big deal, we're lost. But when we obey the gospel and we sin, that's still a big deal. And we don't want to get to the point where we turn up our noses at Christ, trampling him underfoot, insulted the spirit of grace, because we don't think much of sin. Sin is a serious thing. And when we find ourselves caught up in it, falling short of it, we really ought to mourn. And hopefully we ought to pray that we'll come to our senses and recognize. Because like you said, so many times we're like the prodigal son. We get caught up and we don't realize what we're doing. But hopefully we have that aha moment, that epiphany. We're like, oh, I see what I've done. Oh, this is awful. Don't do like Judas. Be like Peter. Weep bitterly, but then turn that into godly sorrow that will turn into repentance to make you another useful servant of God. Any other uh, comments? No, just uh, this is just great material, great teaching. And just a little focus on it day by day uh, and uh, just how uh, we can internalize it and and how it will enrich our lives and our relationship with the Lord. Amen. Well, as we always do, we want to end our podcast with a prayer. And Bob, we're going to ask you to lead us in that prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come to you uh, in our our prayer uh, in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus, your son. Uh, We come as your children. You've invited us to come before you in, in prayer and to express ourselves, to uh, make our requests, express our concerns, 
uh, to offer you our, our praise and adoration, to confess our sins. And so, Father, we come before you at this time in, in prayer. We ask you to hear us in our prayer. Uh, we're so thankful, Father, that your Son has come into the world and that he teaches us the way that we ought to go. We, we can see, Father, that it's contrary to the way many people live and it's contrary to uh, some of our own inclinations as the, the way we want to live. But, Father, we recognize his authority and we understand his wisdom and that this is truly the way that we ought to live. And so help us, Father, to receive his teaching and to internalize it and to, uh, to allow it to sink in, into our heart and then bear fruit in our lives. Father, help us to be poor in spirit Help us to, to see ourselves as you see us, uh, that we are indeed unworthy of, uh, of your great uh, acts of grace and mercy. But even though we're unworthy, Father, you still have seen fit to bestow those acts of grace upon us through your Son, Jesus. Help us to mourn over our sin, to take it seriously, to see that it grieves you, it disappoints you. And Father, we pray that you'll have mercy upon us as we see that and appeal to you to, to forgive us. Father, help us to be motivated by these things, to serve you better, to draw ourselves closer to you, and then to do what we can to draw others to you as well. Help us to live in a way that others see the light of Christ in us, and they come and they glorify you through him as well. Father, we pray that you'll go through, uh, go through each day with us, uh, help us, Father, provide the things that we need. Lead us in the way that we ought to go. And, Father, we pray that we'll be open to your leading and, and your direction and that we'll be drawn closer and closer to you and closer and closer to Christ. It's in his name that we pray these things. Amen. Amen.